What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with John and So this is episode 48 and today we're going to be covering New Japan's Dominion show which took place uh, early hours of Sunday morning uh, if you were watching it in the UK um, but uh, a cracking show you're always uh, sure to get a fantastic uh, fantastic show from anything that New Japan produces and uh, today I've got a, a guest host with me, uh, Matt Bayliss. Uh, Matt Bayliss has been on the podcast many times before. I think the last time we spoke to Matt, he helped us to review the Money in the Bank pay-per-view from the WWE. So uh, welcome, Matt. Thanks for helping us out with the podcast again. No problem, all, John. Always, always a pleasure to join you on this. Excellent, excellent. We'll talk uh, more about Dominion in a second, just to get the plugs out of the way like we always do. Uh, as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at withjohnners underscore pod. Of course, we're on Instagram as well. That's instagram.com forward slash wrestlingwithjohnners. And of course, you can uh, be part of our ever interactive Facebook group. Go on to Facebook and search Wrestling With Johnners. Yeah, you can find this podcast on all popular podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, uh, Stitcher Radio, Anchor, Castbox, YouTube, we are everywhere. So uh, go ahead and listen to us. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, of course, don't forget to leave us a five star rating. And of course, uh, um, if you if you if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and shout about the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. This is the only podcast uh, where you can get your weekly fix of NXT, NXT UK, WWE, Progress Wrestling, AEW, and uh, New Japan, of course. Uh, so please spread the word, uh, tell your friends, tell your family and help us grow this podcast so that I can continue to produce quality content each and every week for you. Uh, so Wrestling With Johnny's is now part of the Rope Break magazine family, uh, which will be uh, another place where you can find and listen to this podcast. And I, for one, am very happy to be part of uh, that wonderful and hardworking team over at Rope Break. Uh, check out the Rope Break website. Uh, just visit uh, ropebreak.co.uk for all of the latest news and reviews from around the world, including a full recap from the recent New Japan Super J Cup tournament, which culminated just a few days ago. Uh, once again, that's ropebreak.co.uk. Check it out. Right, uh, back to you, Matt. So uh, we don't usually cover New Japan, in fairness. We've covered plenty of NXT, plenty of WWE. Uh, we've covered Progress before as well. Um, so this is kind of my first experience covering New Japan. I know that we covered Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom at the beginning of the year, but that was Chris and Heather that helped me out with that podcast. Um, so uh, what was your kind of exposure to New Japan? What sort of experience have you had with New Japan over the years? Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Matt. Um, limited is probably the, uh, the the best the best way of describing it. I've I've kind of dipped in in and out in scenes sort of odd, odd matches here and there. Um, keep a bit of an eye on, on what's going on, especially sort of like with the Bullet Club over the years. Um, cause it kind of hits sort of like more mainstream sort of wrestling media as well. Um, but I've always been impressed with with what I've seen. Um, you know, the, the style of wrestling, the presentation of the shows as well, and like a good mix of sort of like the Japanese fighters and then obviously the the um, the American or and the, like the, you know, the Western influence going over there as well. Yeah, definitely. So, so full disclosure, um, I'd say I'm I'm not an avid New Japan fan. Uh, same as Matt, really. We cover more of the the, the American products or maybe the indie scene. And I know Matt has been a, a massive UK um, indie fan, indie wrestling fan for many many years. Been to tons of shows. Uh, like I say, he's helped me to to cover uh, quite a lot on wrestling with Johnners. But this is our first kind of foray into covering New Japan. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like I say, it'll be interesting to talk about wrestlers that we may not be too familiar with, but there are quite a few wrestlers, certainly on this Dominion show, that we were familiar with uh, from you know the American wrestling scene, you, you could say. Um, but um, you know, why did you decide to kind of uh, watch this show in the first place? I'm guessing that you got it on pay-per-view or either through uh, Fight TV or maybe New Japan World. Uh, so what kind of sparked your interest to kind of watch this show in particular and what were your expectations going into it? Um, it's just, it was kind of convenient. I had the opportunity to, to watch this one because there's been a lot of hype over the last few shows. Uh, obviously, with your review of Wrestle Kingdom, a friend of mine went to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom as well. Um, and you, know, you can't speak highly enough of, of New Japan. Um, and it was, it was just convenient, really, that I had the opportunity to see this one, um, you know, especially with, uh, with John Moxley going over there and, and, um, you know, I've sort of been a fan of Will Ospreay for a long time, so obviously the chance to see him 
Um, and obviously a lot of hype surrounding um, Jericho's work with New Japan in the last sort of year or so, I think, or 18 months now. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I had, had the chance to, to sort of to watch as much of it as I could on Sunday morning um, in amongst getting interrupted by the kids and everything else. And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Weird. it's weird watching stuff during the daytime. It's normally a wait till everyone's gone to bed and then it's on. So, uh, um, but yeah, but it, was, it was just convenient to kind of to catch this show. Um, and I was, I was definitely impressed. Yeah, and it, you know, whenever you watch uh, a New Japan show or any any wrestling product from um, from the Orient, I suppose it's definitely a, a different feel, a different vibe within the audience, and uh, kind of a different atmosphere almost. Um, there's still kind of the big entrances and the razzmatazz, um, but uh, there's not the kind of raucous chance or you know it, it's all very civilized isn't it matt and uh, what you get from a new japan audience is, is a very respectful audience and they kind of see the wrestling more as uh, more as a professional sport and they kind of respect what's going on in the ring you still got your heel and babyface dynamic of course um but uh, it's a different different experience isn't it i mean you said you had a, a couple of uh, friends of yours that went to see uh, wrestle kingdom in january uh, i don't know if they kind of fed back to you on what it was like um but kind of it, it is kind of a different vibe isn't it when you're watching it on tv or whether you're there in person compared to watching uh, a wrestling show over in the uk or over, over in the states for example how would you sum it up yeah, I think I think it hit the nail on the head. Really, is it, it is viewed more as a sport rather than entertainment. And I think um, you know, there's that sort of like the respectful viewing of what's going on and taking taking in what's happening. Um, I actually really like it because that's that's how I tend to watch wrestling myself. Is that I look at you know the, the the technical aspects of it, and you know, I've over the years I've I've done my own my my bit of shouting and screaming and you know getting involved in everything but but generally sort of like when i watch i'm trying to watch what's happening and 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 how things are um, unraveling so so yeah i actually quite like it and it's so uh, it was the same when um the football world cup was in japan and south korea um the 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 fan reactions were really were really different and sort of like when things were happening it was silent and then you know, as the ball went towards the goal, they got a lot louder, and yeah. and it's a lot, it's a lot the same with with the wrestling. And um, so I went to see uh, many many years ago. I went to see Pro Wrestling Noah um, in Coventry at the Sky Dome, um, and that was like my first real introduction to, to the sort of like Japanese wrestling. And and it was a strange experience because I was because I didn't know what to expect. Um, but you know, you, you on the flip side, a lot of the time you find that. You know, like crowds in WWE and and sort of like in indie wrestling, they try and take over the show for their own benefit and just for, for cheap laughs and stuff amongst themselves. And so, you know, there's probably a happy medium somewhere um, where you can have a, a, a noisy crowd, but but they're you know they're still paying attention and and they're not just sort of like trying to do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, it looks like a, a sellout crowd in the Osaka Joe Hall in Osaka, Japan. Um, and the opening match, uh, and I, I think a lot of people that was watching this was slightly surprised to see um, this wrestler in the opening match, but it was John Moxley, um, probably the most talked about wrestler in the world at the moment, uh, going up against uh, Shota Umino. So uh, I, I've got to apologise in advance. I probably will butcher one or two of these names. I'm going to try my very best. Uh, but uh, Shota Umino, you know um is actually the, the son of um i think head referee within new japan um he's kind of commonly known as as red shoes and uh shota umino is, is one of the uh, young lions um in uh, new japan so um several uh, levels below john moxley's uh, kind of name value and uh, ability or certainly experience level um just to kind of rattle off a few things and i'll get your thoughts but uh, moxley recently recently defeated uh, juice robinson in moxley's first match back after his wwe contract expired at the end of april uh, and of course uh, we all saw john moxley uh, make his shocking um, appearance um when he showed up at AEW's inaugural pay-per-view event double or nothing a couple of weeks ago when he attacked Jericho and Kenny Omega after that main event match to cap off um, a very successful Double or Nothing pay-per-view, um, which uh, we reviewed uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's in the archives. As mentioned, uh, Moxley went up against Juice Robinson on Wednesday, uh, the former CJ Parker, of course, um, for Juice's IWGP into uh, United States 
title and this was on the 5th of June so only four days before Dominion uh, where they battled for over 20 minutes and I mean battled uh, they really did uh, beat the hell out of each other and it was um, uh, one of the matches within the best of the Super Juniors uh, Cup tournament final showcase uh, on Wednesday uh, they battled in and out of the ring uh, off the staging above the ring entrance until Moxley defeated Robinson with his modified Dirty Deeds uh, which he's calling the Death Rider nowadays uh, to win the IWGP United States Championship like I say the match went 25 minutes so uh, here John Moxley is up against uh, Shoto Umino um, and as I mentioned he's currently a, a young lion um, so kind of uh, one of the uh, young boys uh, that, that's kind of training and working their way up through the ranks uh, and like I say uh, Umino is, is on the main card here so he's obviously one of those that's kind of uh, kind of yeah, making a name for himself um, within the kind of lower card system in New Japan. So, obviously, uh, you mentioned John Moxley earlier. I'm guessing you saw his appearance, his shocking appearance at Double or Nothing. Uh, he beat Juice Robinson on Wednesday, Matt. Um, he, he's really kind of making a big name for himself since he left WWE. He's not kind of sitting on his on his hands watching the world uh, tick by. He's uh, making the most of his uh, his freedom now. And uh, yeah, he, he appears to be uh, making a, a good name for himself in New Japan. Yeah, I think it's definitely good for him to sort of like raise his profile because there's a lot of people that will only know Dean Ambrose. Um, they won't know... John Moxley, so I know, I know there's quite a few things like from CZW popping up now as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be quite interesting to see where else he shows up. Um, so I believe like his contract with AEW is kind of allowing him to to go and work elsewhere. Yeah. So you know, kind of you know between maybe between now and AEW TV starting later in the year, you know, like how many different places will will Moxley turn up? You know, it's just going to raise his profile. You know, like. Um, you know, get people a really interesting character, see where he's going to turn up next. You know, and he's, he's, you know, he's put on good matches so far from, you know, from what we've seen, and obviously the, the appearance at AEW. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think, it's, I think it's good to kind of get people to talking, and it's, it's going to definitely turn a lot of fresh eyes to New Japan as well, which is only going to benefit them. Absolutely. Well, this, this was a short match. Um, I know that Umino did go on the offence and he did take the match to Moxley. Um, the match only went about four minutes and Moxley did win the match in the end with his, his kind of Death Rider or uh, modified um, uh, Dirty Deeds, which is uh, the name from uh, when he was... Uh, Dean Ambrose in the WWE, of course, but um, yeah, the Death Rider is, is is kind of his new finisher. Uh, quite effective it's been so far as well, with him uh, using it against Juice Robinson on Wednesday. Here again against uh, Umino. Uh, I don't believe the United States Championship belt was on the line here. I might be mistaken for saying that, but I don't believe it was a championship match. I know this match was announced uh, before Moxley won the US title against Juice Robinson on Wednesday. Um, but uh, yeah, a good little opener. Uh, nothing too special. I think afterwards. Um, and I don't know if you saw this clip, but there was there was footage of John Moxley kind of carrying Umino, uh, or kind of supporting and helping Umino from the ring to the backstage area where uh, Moxley cut uh, a promo. And uh, yeah, he seemed to be kind of helping Umino there. So uh, good bit of character development, I suppose. I don't know whether Moxley's meant to be a babyface or a heel quite yet. Um, but uh, what what are your thoughts on on this match? Because like, I only went just over four minutes, uh, but more of a showcase for John Moxley, if nothing else. Yeah, I think he was just making the most of, of sort of having him available, really, and, and just getting that big name value at the start of the show um, to get people, you know, get people in the mood and um, and obviously, you know, getting people to sign up and buy the pay-per-view as well. Yeah, and, and after the match, uh, before he went backstage, John Moxley did grab uh, a microphone from the ringside area and he uh, officially announced himself as being part of the G1 uh, Climax tournament, which would take place uh, throughout the summer. Um, so, uh, yeah, it sounds like he's, he's kind of fully invested into whatever New Japan can throw at him, uh, certainly these few months before uh, the, the uh, TNT TV deal kicks in with AEW in October, uh, where I think he'll be more tied, as you mentioned earlier, more tied to the AEW contract. Uh, but in the meantime, he can kind of wrestle uh, around a little bit, and he certainly seems to be making a name for himself in New Japan. So uh, quite a, a busy week for John Moxley there, winning the, the US, the IWGP uh, US Championship, and um, here being in the opening match at uh, Dominion. So uh, there we go. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about John Moxley as the weeks and months progress. Uh, the next match. 
was uh, Shingo uh, Takagi, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, versus uh, Satoshi Kujami. So uh, I don't know if you've got these names written down in front of you, Matt, but uh, uh, I'm going to say Shingo and uh, Kujami. That, that's who we've got here in this second match. Now, um, Shinjo uh, actually lost the final of the Best of the Super Juniors Cup tournament against Will Ospreay on Wednesday. Um, so well, that was a hell of a match. That was being described as a, a match of the year contender, an epic match uh, to kind of uh, finish off that, that uh, tournament final. Um, and uh, of course, we all know that Will Ospreay won the best of the Super Junior tournament. And that's the second time that he's won it. I think he won it for the first time in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And the second time uh, this past week. Um, so uh, this match uh, was, was another good match. Went about 11 minutes overall. Um, it was a good, fast paced, hard hitting match. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what your kind of thoughts on this? I mean, before I kind of ask you about your, your thoughts, I just want to mention that. Uh, uh, Satoshi Kujami um, is kind of more of a senior uh, established wrestler within New Japan. Um, and in fact, as a singles wrestler, um, he's the first wrestler to hold the New Japan um, IWGP Heavyweight Championship and All Japan Pro Wrestling Triple Crown simultaneously, which is something that not many wrestlers out there you know, uh, are able to, to say about their achievements. Um, and he's also... Um, uh, yeah, so he, he, he's kind of quite an established wrestler. I think he's in his late 40s now. I've checked him up earlier on. And I think he's about 48 years old, so a very senior wrestler. But a uh, good opportunity for uh, Shinjo to wrestle a heavyweight wrestler within New Japan. And, of course, Shinjo is, is more uh, familiar with the, uh, the, the junior division, um, of course, with his successes in the Super J Cup, uh, reaching the final against Will Ospreay, as I've already mentioned. Um, now, at the end of the match, um, I know that uh, Shinjo said that he also wants to be part of the G1 Climax. So uh, Shinjo will be entering himself into more of a heavyweight contest uh, this summer. So that's your, your second entrant in the G1. Uh, but what were your thoughts on, on this match? Uh, kind of a, a typical junior lightweight uh, wrestler in Shinjo up against uh, Kojami, um, kind of your more established veteran. Uh, what did you think of this one, Matt? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I like about sort of New, New Japan is that where, where they do have the weight classes, but then people can kind of compete outside of their own weight class. Um, so it, it does make for some interesting matches. And there's a lot of respect for sort of like the older wrestlers. Um, yeah. Obviously not talking about other older wrestlers that wrestled this weekend. Um, you know, generally in, in, in New Japan, they tend, to, uh, they tend to be able to work pretty well still. And, uh, and you do get the contrasting styles as well and, and, and sort of like the, the crowd are invested because it's someone that they know well and, and they've seen over the years. So, you know, respect comes into it a lot more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on to the next match, and this was a, a tag match, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi versus Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. So some more familiar names in this tag match. Uh, I'm not going to go through blow by blow what happened, uh, but uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi actually won the match. They defeated Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. when Yoshihashi uh, did like a, a bit of a roll-up, really cradled Zack Sabre Jr. to uh, win the match for his team, um, just kind of on the on the uh, on the ten-minute mark, and uh, it was a good match, uh, as you would expect from these four individuals. I've got a lot of time for all four individuals in this match. Um, massive respect for Jushin Thunder Liger. I think he's he's been in the business for well over 30 years now. And he doesn't seem, you know, I, I know the wrestles under a costume, um, but he's still as agile um, as, as he was uh, 30 years ago. Uh, Minoru Suzuki, we know that he's a kind of a tough son of a gun. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he can certainly take and dish out a good beating. Zack Sabre Jr., um, yeah, if not the best, one of the best technical wrestlers in the whole world. Um, but uh, with Yoshihashi pinning Zack Sabre Jr. in this match, it does actually potentially set up um, Zack Sabre Jr., um, Yoshihashi for a title match against Zack Sabre Jr. because Zack Sabre Jr. is the Rev Pro British heavyweight champion, of course. Um, and it uh, looks like that's possibly going to uh, develop their rivalry with a possible title shot for Yoshihashi somewhere down the line. Um, but uh, what, what were your kind of thoughts on, on this tag match? Uh, a bit more familiar with some of the names in this match. Uh, Matt's are a little bit easier to talk about, but um, yeah, give us your thoughts on this one. 
Yeah, I totally agree with like with the uh, you know the four the four guys in this match. They're all you know tons of respect for all of them. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've seen him a lot over the years, and you know from he can kind of do the hard hitting and you know really really technical as well. Um, so you know he's definitely someone that you know I, I look out for and look forward to seeing whenever I get the chance. Um, but yeah, but you know a bit of good. You know, a good tag match with with four sort of like well known names, uh, very like some contrasting styles as well. But it all you know comes together really well. And I, I agree with you that maybe uh, pushing forward for like a Rev Pro um, title shot in the future. Yeah, yeah. And um, Zack Sabre Junior. Uh, looks like he's really established himself with the Japanese crowd and with New Japan in particular. Um, seems to be kind of a mainstay on a lot of their big shows now. Uh, I think he wrestles just as many shows in Japan as he does uh, anywhere else in the world. And um, I think that uh, he's respected for his technical style um, and and his ability. But he, he, I think he's described as like the, the Harry Potter of the wrestling world because he can put any move on you and he can kind of escape from uh, pretty much any move as well. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, fantastic tag match. Uh, the next match was a six-man tag. And it involved uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and uh, uh, Ryosuke Taguchi versus the Bullet Club, a Bullet Club, I should say, uh, which featured Jay White, Chase Owens, and Teiji Ishimori. So uh, lots of action in this match. Um, Juice Robinson still kind of uh, got a bruised eye and a kind of bloodshot eye from his encounter with John Moxley um, earlier on in the week, uh, let's say for when he lost his uh, United States Championship. Uh, you've got Chase Owens, who is, uh, I think he's a Canadian wrestler, but um, certainly building a name for himself on the Japanese scene. Um, Jay White, of course, former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Lost his uh, championship to uh, uh, Kazuchika Okada in uh, at MSG over a many weekend in New York in April, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, so lots of really good action um, from six fantastic wrestlers. Now, the end of the match happened where uh, Tanahashi um, actually uh, he got the pin over Chase Owens, I believe, um, and uh, from his final cut uh, maneuver. Now. I must admit that this was a good match, not a brilliant match. There were quite a few spots that didn't quite seem to connect. Um, I know that Tanahashi, I think he tried his um, his finisher kind of a, a few seconds before the end of the match, and it kind of botched a little bit. I think that even the even the kind of the final cut that won the match wasn't executed brilliantly. I know that Tanahashi appeared to be suffering with a bit of an arm injury throughout the match. Um, but uh, what are your what are your thoughts on this one? Um, kind of once again, uh, New Japan appear to love their multi-man tag matches. Um, this was uh, a match with lots of name value, lots of uh, excellent wrestlers. Of course, you got uh, former champions as well in, in Juice Robinson and Jay White and Tanahashi. Uh, so some you know excellent name value in this match. Um, what what were your, what's your take on this one, Matt? It went, it went about ten minutes uh, from beginning to end. Yeah, I think it happens quite a lot when you have multi-man matches, uh, especially with sort of like fairly big names that they don't always come off that well because um, everyone's trying to sort of get their get their stuff in basically. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, I agree. It was a bit, it was a little bit scrappy in places, um, and, and I think sort of like with its position in the card as well, especially coming after the the tag match that preceded it as well. Um, I think it was just a bit of a, a a fairly quick match just to get some some name value really yeah yeah well i, I want to move on to the next match because i really really enjoyed this next match which was uh uh tomohiri ishii uh versus uh, uh tachai uh, i've got him down as and this is for the never open weight uh championship so uh tomohiri ishii representing chaos um, but uh, just to go through some of the key spots here. So Ishii starts the match by laying on the mat, uh, almost inviting the, the champion Tachi to get his first shots in. Uh, this match soon uh, progressed into a chop and a kick fest with Tachi uh, flooring Ishii with a, a big kick to the chest before landing some driving kicks to the chest of Ishii in the corner. So this was really super strong style kicking and, and uh, a very, very kind of um, hard hitting match from minute one, basically. Um, Tachi gets a very close near fall with a high-angled suplex, uh, like I say, two suplex. 
he responds with a high angle suplex of his own uh, with both men kind of uh, on the mat within the first minutes holding on to their necks from these uh, uh, wicked high angled uh, suplexes Ishii recovers to hit a German, su- German suplex before pulling the referee into uh, into a kind of a running uh, tachi um, which Ishii takes full advantage of with a solid headbutt, getting a two count for his troubles. Uh, Tachi gets another close near fall from a gator clutch, uh, pinning attempt on what should have been a three count, but I'm sure the referee held off for dramatic effect on some of these counts. Um, I'm sure he would have got uh, a four and a five with some of these away kind of held off from two to three, but uh, that was only a two count on this occasion. Uh, Tachi gets a, uh, a version of a dragon sleeper on his opponent before uh, what well, the referee was checking on Ishii, um, but uh, it manages to kind of get his way out of the hold. Uh, Tachi manages to hoist uh, the rather solid Ishii into a last ride powerbomb, putting his whole body weight onto Ishii, only getting a close near fall from his attempt. Uh, this was a really, really fun match, really, really hard hitting match as well between two very solid stiff wrestlers. Uh, the end finally came uh, with Ishii nailing Tachi with a brutal, delayed vertical brain buster um, and uh, got the pinfall, got the one, two, three, and is now the five time IWGP never open weight champion. Um, so this was a really enjoyable stiff match. And uh, it, was a, it was a match that, you know, had me shouting at the TV um, due to some of the false finishes and the referee delaying, you know, the the, the, the three counts um, and uh, lots of close near falls, lots of uh, lots of drama in this one. But I, I just love these two big balls kind of going at it and really, you know, knocking the stuffing out of one another. Um, but uh, this match went 16 minutes. Uh, we've got a, a new never open weight champion uh, with Ishii winning the crown for the fifth time. Uh, Matt, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I, I know JR is not over there anymore, but it sort of like uh, defines like the slobberknocker phrase, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, this, you know, this is where it really starts to pick up, really. Um, you know, like a well-paced match. It was really hard hitting. And like I say, with the, the sort of like the false finishes and the near falls and everything, um, yeah. you know, it's... You, know, you, you, you. This is where you find yourself invested in it, um, and you know, and you are on the edge. You see, wait and see what happens, and you know, and and New Japan's not as predictable as as WWE can be. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of time when you know you 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 suspect that it is the end of the match, it's not. You're about five six minutes away normally. Um, but yeah, no, it was really 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 solid match. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and like you say, that that was the match that kind of got me more invested in the show um, and uh, I was literally shouting at the TV during one or two spots uh, with, with uh, some of the action and some of the uh, close near falls and false finishes but uh, yeah really really loved that match uh, the next match is for the IWGP Tag Team Championships you've got Evil and Sonata and they're the challengers to the Gorillas of Destiny and that's Tangaloa and Tamatonga uh, so the Gorillas of Destiny are five time IWGP Tag Team Champions as well as being the current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, which they won at the G1 Supercard at MSG over WrestleMania weekend. Uh, 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 Jado, um, who accompanied the Grills of Destiny down to the ring, um, and uh, he had a kendo stick in hand, so no doubt he was going to kind of interfere in the match later on down the line. We'll talk more about Jado a bit later on. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Sonata puts uh, Tangaloa into a paradise lock before, um, which essentially where he, he tied his opponent up into a ball, basically where he couldn't move uh, before he kind of came running across the ring to kick him up the backside, which did eventually uh, free Tangaloa from the paradise lock. I thought that was quite amusing. Uh, Tangaloa gets a two count from a sit-out power bomb. Sonata nails a pitch-perfect missile drop kick onto Tangaloa before Evil executes a brilliant superplex followed by a moonsault from Sonata. Uh, with uh, Tangaloa finding himself in a scorpion deathlock. So lots of quick moves and transition and fast-paced action here. Uh, the match soon picks up again with Evil and Sonata going to work on Tangaloa. Um, Evil and Sonata apply dueling submission holes on Tangaloa and uh, Tomatonga uh, until Jado pulls the referee out of the ring, allowing Jado to enter the ring, cane in hand, before striking the Evil. Uh, Jado goes for a second strike of the cane, only to be stopped by Bushi, who comes from out of the crowd, comes from out of nowhere um, he sprays uh, some toxic mist into the face of Jado uh, causing um, the end of, of Jado's role in this match uh, then from out of nowhere 
uh, Tamatonga rolls up evil from behind, pulling on the tights for extra leverage, which the referee doesn't see. And he counts the one, two, three. And uh, the Gorillas of Destiny uh, retain their IWGP Tag Team Championships. So the match went uh, 16 minutes, 45 seconds. This was a really good match. Uh, definitely picked up when Evil and Sonata were in there together performing their double team moves on the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, but Evil and Sonata were not able to hit their magic killer finisher on Tamatonga and uh, failed to win the IWGP tag team titles on this occasion. So uh, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, like you say, from the, from the previous match, things really started to pick up and, and this one didn't disappoint. So I thoroughly enjoyed this this tag match, Matt. Yeah, it was really, really good match. You had a bit of everything, you know, you had the sort of the traditional hard hitting, but like you said, the double team stuff was really good. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, it's, but then it's adding in stuff like the with the paradised lock and um and the toxic mist and stuff like that. You know, you yeah, you, you don't see any as much of that really. Um yeah. in sort of like Western wrestling now. So, yeah, you know, like, you know, with he used to have Tajir with his green mist and, and everything and Mr. Fuji with his uh, his white powder. Um, <laughs> yes. I think Christian always referred to it as racist powder on uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it had a bit of I think the, the the finish was a little bit cheap. Um mm. but you know, you know, I, I don't know the storyline all that well behind the match. So um but you know, maybe it opens up to to having a rematch and, and to sort of like doing it all again um at a later date so um but yeah but it was thoroughly enjoyable um again so with, with like the outside influence and and everything you know it had it had a bit for for everyone um and like totally agree with you that sort of like the preceding match in this one you can kind of uh you can kind of feel that business is picking up at this point Definitely, it certainly will with the next match when we get round to that. But uh, between uh, j- just after this, this tag title match, we had a special appearance from Chibata, Chibata um, who points and signals to the stage. Now we thought that he was kind of signalling the entrance of Dragon Lee to start off with, who uh, has a close association with Shibata. Um, but uh, then we see uh, a very popular figure, uh, Kenta, formerly Hideo Itami from NXT, of course, uh, with a, a, a kind of a takeover shirt or a, a shirt saying "Takeover" on it in, in yellow writing. Now, um, a lot of people were kind of probably reading a lot into this, but it's actually one of uh, Shibata's uh, t-shirts. And uh, now he has the t-shirt. Um, and the moniker kind of takeover. And uh, to give you a little bit more context to this, I know that Kenta and Shibata used to be in a tag team uh, back in Pro Wrestling Noah, and uh, their tag team used to be called the Takeover. So I think it was more to do with Shibata, but it was just kind of good timing, I suppose, knowing that uh, uh, Kenta or Hideo Itami didn't have the best of times um, working for WWE or NXT. Um, a lot was down to the, the multiple injuries that uh, Itami faced when he was um, over there. Um, but uh, yeah, and so Shibata introduces uh, 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 Kenta, of course, and um, Kenta says that he wants to come out here to tell you um, how he really feels. Uh, there's a, a, a big promo in Japanese, um, and then at the very end, he announces himself for the G1 Climax tournament as well. So this is the third person that have uh, announced themselves for the G1 Climax. Now, to the best of my knowledge, and I don't know whether you know any different here, Matt, but Kenta has never wrestled for New Japan before. He was always a, a pro wrestling Noah guy um, over in Japan before he went over to the States. Uh, d- did a lot of work for Ring of Honor, of course, but I don't think he was ever a, a New Japan guy. So this is kind of fairly new ground, new territory for Kenta. Um, but uh, definitely got a good reaction on the night. And especially with his association with uh, Shibata, who is kind of a, a bit of a, a legend in Japan and a legend in New Japan, especially. Uh, but he got a great reaction. Um, like I say, his T-shirt seems to be a big talking point. But I think uh, above and beyond that seems to be himself entering into the G1 Climax tournament uh, later on in the summer. Uh, what was your take on this little segment? Yeah, it was really good. It was, it was always a shame, really, with um, with Itami and in, in NXT that he never really got to show off what he couldn't do. Um, you know, he went there as I think didn't he sign the same time as Finn Balor, I believe. Yeah, around uh, the same time as uh, Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, and yeah, I think all that group kind of went in roughly at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then with, with because of injuries and, and everything, sort of like held him back and. 
and he, he never really never really had the chance to chance to shine. Whereas you know he's a he is a phenomenal talent. Um, I met him about eight years ago um, at a pro wrestling Noah show. Um, yeah. A nice picture of him holding my my son who's called Noah, which was uh, <laughs> really well with. Uh, with, with all the wrestlers there when we sort of like turn up to the meet and greet just passing a baby around so um <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what i can do in in, in new japan and in the, the g1 as well so um so yeah so you know again it's another it's another big name uh, it's not a western name coming over but it's you know it, it's um it's got a similar sort of feel like him turning up as, as someone like Moxley turning up yeah, and I think with Kenta, I don't think we we ever really saw the best of of Kenta when he was uh, over in the states, or certainly with NXT or WWE. He was kind of like Kenta, um, just with kind of half the gears. Really, he never really hit uh, you know the heights of of kind of the legend of Kenta coming over from pro wrestling, or and what we're familiar with seeing uh, from him. And he's you know he had some tremendous matches uh, over in the states, especially against uh, uh, Brian Danielson, of course. Um, but Kenta was renowned for being very, very hard hitting with tremendous kicks, uh, not necessarily being stiff, but just being very, very kind of strong style and uh, yeah, kind of a really hard hitting Japanese style. Um, and we never really saw the best of him over in the States. So maybe now that he's over in New Japan and, and he's likely to, uh, he's going to be part of the, G- the G1, we'll hopefully get to see some of the old Kenta um, that you probably saw, you know, eight years ago, and that uh, some of us are more familiar with from his run in uh, Ring of Honor or Pro Wrestling Noah. But uh, really good to see him there. Looks like he got a fantastic reaction, and uh, yeah, it'd be good to see if we can see the old Kenta in the G1. Now, this is the match that uh, just about everybody's been raving about, Matt. Um, Will Ospreay and uh, versus Dragon Lee for the IWGP heavy, uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship, uh, with Dragon Lee going into the match as the champion. Will Ospreay on a high from having won the Best of the Super Juniors Cup just uh, four days earlier. And we mentioned that he had that kind of match of the year contender against Shinjo uh, in the final on Wednesday. Um, But uh, just to go through some of the the key spots here and then we'll talk more about this match and Will Ospreay afterwards. But Will Ospreay, um, so yeah. Off the back of a, a really, really hot uh, back, a best of the Super Juniors tournament. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, th- this was his second best of the Super Junior tournament win. Um, the match starts with a, a, a kind of a delayed drop kick in the corner from Dragon Lee onto Osprey. Um, Osprey performs a, um, a Sasuke special over the top rope, which Dragon Lee avoids before um, sitting Osprey onto the guardrail. Now, this was one of the moves of the night where. Dragon Lee kind of launches himself from the other side of the ring and dives through the ropes, nailing Osprey, who's, remember, sat on the guardrail, sending Osprey crashing over the announcer's table um, and into the first row, where it looks pretty rough, to be honest with you. And it looked like Osprey and Dragon Lee had a pretty rough landing the other side of that guardrail, with Osprey possibly hitting his head. Fortunately, he was okay off the back of that move, but that was one hell of a spot. and uh, uh, Dragon Lee gets a close near fall once back inside the ring with a straight jacket, um, straight jacket suplex. Both men are on the top turnbuckle when Osprey nails Dragon Lee with a double foot stomp to the face, sending Lee to the outside, uh, where Osprey hits a picture perfect corkscrew moonsault uh, to the floor. Um, after a number of reversals between these two, Dragon Lee nails a DDT, uh, which really appears to rock Will Osprey. Um, and uh, yeah, that one definitely seemed to kind of do a bit of a number on Osprey. Osprey recovers though, um, and he hits Dragon Lee with a pump kick to the face. Osprey is then nailed with a reverse Rana. Um, Osprey then executes a Spanish fly for a two count. So back and forth action um, and uh, lots of really, really cool high spots between these two, as you would expect. This match is going 100 miles per hour. Osprey then lands on his feet from an attempted Dragon Rana from the uh, top turnbuckle to the floor on the outside, which was absolutely awesome. He just pitched that landing perfectly. Osprey then gets a close near fall from the shooting star press. Um, Will Osprey hits a Robinson special. Uh, Osprey then gets caught um, in the tree of woe on the outside of the ropes. Normally it's kind of dangling inside the ring, but he was dangling on the outside uh, before Dragon Lee manages to hit a double foot stomp to the chest of Osprey, with Osprey just managing to beat the referee's 20 count to get back into the ring to continue the match. 
match. Dragon Lee hits a destroyer and a running knee for another very close near fall. Osprey brings an end to this match uh, and into this amazing match with a top rope uh, springboard cutter, followed by his Stormbreaker finisher for the 1-2-3 to regain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship for the third time. Um, and... Uh, Wow. I mean, he had a five-star classic earlier on in the week of the best of the Super Juniors. This uh, was just as good um, a match, to be honest with you, between these two. And uh, yeah, that was an outstanding match. Went 20 minutes. Uh, that suicide dive from Lee onto Osprey on the outside, sending Osprey over the guard railing was awesome. The double foot stomp from Dragon Lee looked as dangerous as hell. Uh, so many high spots in this match. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think the usually reserved Japanese fans... Uh, really got into this one, Matt. I'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah, it was uh, phenomenal. It was bre- breathless the whole way through uh, from start to finish. Um, you know, some phenomenal spots. Um, the, the, you know, the uh, the dive through the ropes to the uh, to Osprey on the on the um, the guardrail. You know, I was, you know, when they were setting up, I thought he'll hop off the guardrail and stop him or, or something, and then he ended up plowing straight through him. It was, you know, it was brutal. So you know, that definitely had me out of my seat watching that. Um, yeah, but it was it was just like frenetic the whole way through. Um, you know, it's fast and furious um, the whole time. Really good ebb and flow, like the momentum shifting between both guys. Um, you know, incredibly hard hitting. Um, we saw mentioned earlier about all the false finishes in the other match, and it was the same in this one. That you know, every time we thought, oh, that's that's got to be it, it's going to be over, and and it wasn't. Um, you know, I think you know it wasn't just all like all flips and and high spots as well they told a really good story throughout the match um you know and just like really thoroughly invested in it yeah and and we spoke um offline we spoke before we started recording this evening about uh, Will Ospreay and how over the last couple of years he's really kind of stepped it up as far as uh you know maturity in the ring and just being a more complete package um you know he's selling um and you know he's his kind of facials his body language um you know the moves obviously are absolutely fantastic but i think he is becoming a much more of a mature and more of a complete wrestler um more of an all-rounder and one to be taken a lot more seriously i know that he uh, did a promo after his uh, Best of the Super Junior Cup win on Wednesday saying that he's ready to take on the challenge of carrying New Japan for the future you know, they've lost Kenny, they've lost the Young Bucks, and uh, he's, you know, prepared to take on that mantle of being the number one guy if, if New Japan uh, need him to. Um, but I could certainly see, you know, with the way that he's developed and, like I say, that maturity that's really come into his game, um, potentially, you know, uh, we could be looking at Will Ospreay not just as a um, as, as a junior heavyweight champion, but possibly a contender in the next year or so as, as an IWGP heavyweight contender. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I think he's, um, he's he's definitely well respected in Japan. Um, you know, he's he's really adapted and, and embraced the lifestyle and, and the culture as well. Um, so like, you can see that with like with his entrance and um, you know he's what he wears coming to the ring. And you know, I think he's he's definitely over with the crowd there. Um, and you know, there's no stopping him really. You know, he's got the ability to do it. Um, you know, he's, he's in the last year or so, he's definitely bulked up as well. So he's not just this skinny guy doing flips. And, uh, you know, he seems relatively down to earth as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so hopefully, hopefully he's got a bright future um, in Japan. And, and then who knows beyond that? Yeah, I know that New Japan went through their whole phase um and and they obviously thought a lot of jay white and jay white was their iwgp heavyweight champion <sighs> you know some might say they took the belt off of jay white too soon giving it back to okada um over wrestlemania weekend but maybe you know there's some people that say that maybe jay white wasn't quite ready maybe it's a bit too soon for him although you know to their credit they were trying to build a new star and that's what they were able to do with jay white but i think with with will osprey i think that he i think he's he comes across more as a you know a, a, a credible wrestler to take seriously he's, he's got the moves he's got the look like say so he's bulked up um i think he's his selling has got a lot better um and uh yeah i think he's, he's much more of a complete wrestler than jay white so i wouldn't be surprised if they possibly got one eye on him um as a future title contender to you know i'd love to see uh, will osprey against okada you never know and if if will osprey enters into the g1 and potentially wins that 
we might be seeing uh, Will Ospreay versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 2020. Um, but that would be that would be an awesome match. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on anyway, like I say, I think we've, we've uh, hyped up uh, Will Ospreay enough there. Uh, we're all very looking looking forward to a very bright future for him. But uh, the semi-final match of Dominion um, is uh, Kota Ibushi versus Tatsushi Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. So Ibushi starts off the match with a very stiff kick uh, to the chest of Naito, flooring the challenger to the canvas. Naito uh, gets his own back with a running drop kick to the back of Ibushi. Um, it's strange to see Naito as the heel here. I don't know if it's just me, but I've always got uh, the impression of Naito as more of a baby face. Um, but uh, maybe I've got that wrong. Ibushi lands a, a corkscrew plancher onto Naito on the outside. Uh, Naito drops uh, Ibushi off the side of the ring apron with a brutal German suplex with Ibushi, Ibushi hitting his head on the edge of the ring apron before landing hard on the floor on the outside. And that did look brutal. And to be honest with you, I, 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 I believe it was well, definitely a botched spot where um, I think the move was meant to kind of land fully on the ring apron. Uh, but it was just his, his kind of head that connected awkwardly to the edge of the ring apron there. Then Ibushi nails Naito with a reverse Rana from the top turnbuckle before Naito hits Ibushi with a packaged tombstone. Uh, the match progresses into a bit of a slugfest between these two before Naito goes for a series of headbutts before Ibushi drops Naito with a wicked 360 lariat. Ibushi misses a Kinshasa, um, allowing Naito to hit his Destino for a close near fall. Ibushi gets another dramatic close near fall from a last ride powerbomb. Uh, Naito then counters Ibushi into a brutal DDT. Uh, this match is fast and furious as Naito gets the win from a swing in reverse DDT from the second turnbuckle. And uh, sorry, he nearly gets the win there. Uh, that was a close near fall. Um, however, the end of the match comes when NATO eventually nails a perfect Destino uh, to win his fourth Intercontinental Championship. Now, that was a really tough match to watch. So many stiff, um, you know, stiff, uh, so much stiff action. Uh, so many head bumps as well for Ibushi. Now, I know that this guy doesn't care. And I've seen so many Ibushi matches where he's happy to kind of land on his head. Uh, but there's only so many bumps to the noggin that you can take. Uh, the match went 22 minutes. And uh, yeah, so Naito wins the Intercontinental Championship. It's the fourth time winner of that bout. Um, and uh, the kind of closing scene to this match is a picture of uh, Naito standing with his foot on uh, Kota Ibushi's head uh, with uh, the championship raised in the air to the displeasure of the fans uh, before Ibushi gets tended to on the outside. So, uh, like I say, things just seem to be ramping up. Uh, this was a, a brutal match, some really uh, tough spots to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Ibushi versus Naito? Yeah, again, another fantastic match. I mean, Ibushi's definitely got a screw loose or seven, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so I think, you know, there was some like genuine concern after the sort of German on the ring apron and, and you know, he did look like he'd scrambled his head a bit. But then the very next thing, as soon as he gets back in the ring, is he gets hit with um, with the run of like straight onto the top of his head again. And then there's still 10 minutes to go in the match. It's just absolutely insane. Um, and, uh, but yeah, you know, it was. At one point, for a few minutes after that, you know, you just think I'll just put, literally just put him out of his misery at this point. But but you know, the match went on, and you know, and it was a really good match. Um, and thankfully, he didn't get or didn't apparently hasn't been genuinely hurt by it. But you know, I'd imagine he was feeling that the next day. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But um, yeah, and then we're on to our main event, and it's uh, Kazuchika Okada versus. Chris Jericho, and this is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So this was billed as the Rainmaker versus the Painmaker. Uh, Jericho comes to the ring with his clockwork orange makeup on. Uh, we've seen Jericho in New Japan against the likes of Kenny Omega and Naito, and now against Okada here for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So the commentators uh, remind us uh, that this is the only championship that has eluded Jericho. Um, I'm sure it's probably not the only title that's eluded Jericho. I know that uh, Jericho won pretty much all there was to win in WWE but uh, uh, they even mentioned Jericho's six WWE championship reigns 
and the one night where Jericho became the uh, uh, WWE uh, undisputed champion where he beat The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin all in the same night to be the undisputed world champion. Uh, Chris Jericho will be facing Hangman Page on the 31st of August at uh, All Out. That's uh, AEW's next pay-per-view, and that's going to be to see who's going to be the first ever AEW world champion. Um and uh, we all saw his amazing match against Kenny Omega at uh, Double or Nothing, of course. And uh, as we all know, Kenny Omega is one of Okada's greatest rivals with their near two-year feud culminating with Omega finally winning the IWGP title from Okada. Uh, this match, however, soon goes to the outside, as most of Jericho's matches tend to nowadays, where he DDTs Okada onto the ring announcer's table whilst throwing chairs around like a madman at ringside. Jericho sets up another table on the outside, I'm sure this will come into play uh, quite possibly a bit later on. His he, attempted power bomb um, on Okada is blocked uh, before Jericho uh, runs Okada into the guard railings instead. Back inside the ring, Jericho hits a crossbody block from the top turnbuckle, followed by a back suplex and a drop kick. Uh, the match soon goes back out to the outside where Okada kicks Jericho over into the front row. Uh, Okada goes for a dive over the railings only for Jericho to nail Okada with a code breaker. So that was a pretty cool spot. Back inside the ring, Jericho slaps on the walls of Jericho before Okada gets to the bottom rope uh, for a rope break there. Okada hits a tombstone pile driver on Jericho, but Jericho pops straight up to nail a powerbomb. Uh, this match is, is very back and forth with both men starting to show signs of fatigue. Uh, Jericho removes the turnbuckle pad, which he throws onto the commentary team before uh, going to throw Okada into the turnbuckles, which Okada fights his way out of. Okada hits Jericho with a tombstone, but is unable to connect uh, with his Rainmaker clothesline. Instead, Jericho puts on a, a kind of a high angle lion tamer. Uh, Jericho finally runs Okada into the exposed turnbuckle before going for the Judas effect back elbow, which Okada manages to avoid. Okada eventually manages to roll up Chris Jericho for the pinfall victory and to re retain his IWGP championship after 23 minutes. So we've seen some awesome matches in this show, Matt. Uh, this one uh, was not the best match on the card. I think we both agree with that. But I think when you take into consideration Chris Jericho, his style has had to kind of change over the years. He's no longer, you know, the, the lion uh, tamer from, from 20, 25 years ago. He's, he's no longer the WWF world champion from 20 years ago or 18 years ago. You know, he, I think he's 48 years old now. He's had to adapt his, his style. He's got the new Judas effect back elbow, which he wasn't able to use on this occasion. Um, but uh, I think for what it was, it was it was a, a great match. Um, it wasn't the typical Kenny Omega versus Okada match that we've seen over the years. Um, a different style of main event. And I think you've got Chris Jericho that is a, an out and out heel. Um, and I think his wrestling style certainly complements his character. Uh, but I'd love to know your thoughts on this main event with Okada retaining his championship. Yeah, I think as, as a wrestling match, it wasn't great. Um, as as a brawl or as a fight, it was it was really enjoyable. Uh, so the one thing Jericho still does really well is like he plays the crowd, and you know the way the way he moves around the ring is always something that I've you know really admired with him. Sort of, you know, he knows when to go fast, when to go slow. There's, there was a bit sort of early in the match where he went to the outside and the card started to chase him. So he's, you know, he's, he's kind of just gone to a bit of a trot around and I think the, the crowd kind of popped that because of the way he was running. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, you know, there's a lot there's a lot more to it than the actual, you know, he's in ring ability now. Yeah. Um, I think so what, what, one of the things I mentioned someone about one of my highlights was just Jericho just throwing chairs everywhere. I think he hit at least two cameramen. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was either doing it deliberately or he was just being so flippant with like chucking chairs everywhere. Um, you know, it's just, you know, he, I think he's having fun being a heel and, and just trying to, you know, just flipping people off all the time. Um, I think there was someone posted a video earlier where the bit where he takes the, um, the cover from the, the turnbuckles off and throws it on the comedy desk and, you just hear this thud as it hits them because obviously the microphones pick it up. So yeah, I, mean, I I I love Jericho. I think he's he's quality. He's you know I think he's 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 showing his age now. Um, 
but you know he's still got so much to offer. Um, you know he's always been one to put over people. Um, you know up and coming wrestlers as well. Um, and, and I think you know he just he just works as as that as that dastardly heel now, and you know he's not really interested in having a wrestling match as such. Yeah. Um, and you know and it and it works. You know. It, I mean, I know it was for the main title, but it probably shouldn't have been the the main event, especially if you look at definitely the two matches that came immediately before it as well. Um, but yeah, but it's it was it was still enjoyable and and um, you know and a and a, a fun way to round off the event, really. Yeah, and then and then directly after the match. Uh... Jericho goes uh, nuts, um, hitting Okada with a steel chair to the face uh, twice. Jericho drags the champ to the outside, running Okada into the steel. Uh, into the, he, he puts a steel chair over his head and then runs into the steel ring post. Uh, Jericho then goes to powerbomb Okada onto the table that was set up previously on the outside when uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi who is on commentary for this main event, uh, comes to Okada's aid, sending Jericho running, uh, running for cover into the front row. Jericho grabs a microphone. Uh, he, he calls Tanahashi, Tanahashi out. He calls the fans out. He calls uh, Tanahashi a bitch. Uh, and he's calling uh, Japan a bullshit country. So uh, then Jericho grabs some Okada dollars, which he kind of sticks to his head and then uh, puts down his, 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 his tights and, you know, healing it up all the way to the back. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, a, a fun ending to uh, a really really fun show um and uh, tanahashi looks after his friend okada takes him to the back um but uh, as an overall show i thoroughly enjoyed it i think there was there were quite a few highlights uh, on the show definitely uh, the the uh, will osprey match for the junior heavyweight championship absolutely loved uh, dragon lee versus will osprey uh loved the match uh, between um uh, uh, Nato and Ibushi, which was a really kind of hard-hitting match, and uh, Ibushi needs to start wearing a crash helmet to the ring because he's he's just uh, getting pummeled left, right, and centre, and uh, doesn't seem to be uh, afraid for his own safety. Um, but um, yeah, too many highlights to mention. Um, but uh, I think that this match was something that Will Osprey fans can look back on uh, with pride and to say, "Yep, he's definitely kind of, you know, he's." putting his name out there he's definitely kind of um becoming the full package now the total package and the real deal um so i think this is definitely a bit of a crowning moment for will osprey especially with his best of the super junior uh, cup win from uh, a few days earlier um but uh what what your kind of thoughts on dominion 2019 overall matt yeah i, I thoroughly enjoyed it it's just sort of like the you know the first time i've watched um practically a whole a whole um new japan show um sort of live um and i was re- really impressed and and uh you know certainly trying to trying to catch some more um you know going forward and, and just trying to you know keep it up to speed with it and it was thoroughly entertaining um you know a lot of new names a lot of different people to look out for as well mm, definitely and now that we've mastered uh the the kind of japanese names now uh we can do this all the time <laughs> i think that we've 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 nailed one or two of them names uh, uh or possibly not but uh, I've, I've certainly had fun reviewing this uh, this dominion show with you matt so thank you very much um if uh, any of my listeners out there want to kind of get in touch with you on uh, on twitter or facebook or instagram have you got any uh, social media um handles that you want to throw out there um, I would if I knew them. They got set up ages ago, and I can never remember what they are. Um, <laughs> the best thing to do is go on the uh, Wrestling with Johnners podcast uh, Facebook page, and I'm normally on there, um, especially yeah. on a Tuesday morning with the latest uh, <laughs> uh, house videos from uh, from Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, feel free to to throw abuse at me or add me as a friend or whatever you want to do from there. Cool. There we go. But uh, thank you, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board as always. And hopefully we'll get you on another podcast very, very soon. Uh, But that's it for another episode. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you did, uh, as always, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share and shout about this podcast. Tell your friends and tell your family and keep listening to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast uh, for your weekly NXT UK NXT WWE, AEW, and you could say New Japan updates on a weekly basis. Uh, without you sharing and subscribing to this podcast, we can't.
can't grow and we can't improve so hit that like and subscribe button now uh we'll be back again this coming thursday with another rundown of nxt in nxt uk and i think on this coming week's nxt uk we've got that epic six-man tag match uh, involving british strong style versus imperium that's uh, walter marcel bartel and fabian eichner so that's going to be a fantastic match and a really good episode of nxt uk and we'll be covering it all here on uh, wrestling with Johnners, uh plus all the top news and opinions from uh, this beautiful world of professional wrestling that we love uh, but in the meantime uh, from myself and from matt thank you very much take care and speak to you all soon Thank you.